Well, if you have a Bible, would you join me in opening up to the book of Proverbs? Uh, well, we're going to be jumping around within the book a bit, but you can start in Proverbs 1, page 527. Um, one correction that I'm sure you very observant people picked up on is that Miss Megan's announcement was not supposed to be in there, uh, that, that we prayed last week for all our children on Tuesday night, um, and thank you for those who came. And if you want to come this Tuesday, you're more than welcome, but you'll, uh, you'll be alone. And, um, but on that note, just want to um, affirm kind of what Megan did and led in that um, we have, uh, I think our count's of over 100 from kids from birth to fifth grade. In, at Grace Church, and, and that group prayed for every child by name on Tuesday night, uh, just as they enter into another school year, as they take this next step, that Jesus would just be big in their lives as they continue to grow and mature, and um, really uh, appreciate that. And kids, we're just glad you're in the service with us today, um, and I think you will find that this is a very applicable topic uh, to your life, and maybe you think I'm just saying that because I'm just saying that, but I think it's true. Um, there's a woman named Kelly Needham. She's a Christian blogger from Dallas, and, and she writes this, True friends are hard to find. They stick closer than family and often know you better. They pray bigger things for you than you pray for yourself. They believe with you when your faith is weak. They make space for you when life falls apart, and they rejoice with you when all is well. Most importantly, true friends remind you in every encounter who and what is most important. This is the end of our Proverbs series uh, here on Labor Day weekend. We've been looking at the way of wisdom all summer and all kinds of different topics that the book focuses on. Uh, just kind of looking ahead, the next uh, two Sundays we're going to preach on just the vision of our church as we head on another kind of ministry year and kind of uh, just kind of recapture what's our vision, what are we trying to do here, uh, what's our uh, aim as we dive into the scriptures and kind of unpack that. And then Sunday, September 22nd, we are going to begin preaching through the book of Philippians. And we'll take, that will take us, Lord willing, right up to uh, Thanksgiving. Uh, it's the first time we'll have done an epistle in about two years. I think we did First Peter in uh, spring 2017, so uh, really looking forward to that. But, but we're not done with Proverbs yet, and we're going to finish this morning with the wisdom of friendship. Um, there are all kinds of relationships in the book of Proverbs that we could preach on. If we had a longer series, maybe we would hit on some of these topics. There are um, relationships talked about like husband-wife and parent-child. I think to some degree you even see a lot in there of employer and employee. But I want to do friendship for the very reason that we often pass over that relationship in the church. And I would say especially a church in the suburbs because we talk a lot about marriages and we talk a lot about parenting, we talk a lot about work, as we should. But I think we do a massive disservice to ourselves if we neglect friendship. And maybe you even hear that. You're like, a sermon on friendship. Like, not really something that maybe gets you going. Like, maybe it's just not high on your priority list. And that's kind of the point. And it says something that Proverbs, a book on wisdom in the inspired Word of God, talks a lot about friendship. They say that friendship is on a bell curve in our lives and that early on we're shaped more by our family and our parents but at some point, we begin being shaped and influenced more by our friends for a significant period of time. And then often, we go back to being influenced by our family once again. 
and whether that's true or not, I think it is true that as you get older, real, true friendships can tend to be the thing that gets sacrificed due to lack of time and lack of energy and presence of other bigger things in your lives, that it's friendship that's usually the first thing that gets cut. In 2017, right when I became senior pastor here at Grace, I I came across the Boston Globe feature article that I shared with the elders, and the title was, quote, the biggest threat to middle-aged men isn't smoking or obesity, it's loneliness. And the author is this guy named Billy Baker, who is middle-aged himself, and he writes this at the beginning of the article, quote, I'd been summoned to an editor's office at the Globe magazine with the old, we have a story that we think you'd be perfect for. We want you to write about how middle-aged men have no friends. (laughs) And then he goes on to write a little bit of the snapshot of the life of Billy Baker, who has a young family, and his life revolves around work, And then whatever margin of time he has trying to spend with his kids, in the rare moment he tries to break a sweat and not die of a heart attack. And in the 21st century reality of just this being overscheduled, it's friendships that get sacrificed the most. And then he connects the feature article, you can go up online and look it up, to a study out of Cambridge that showed how being socially disconnected from peers has long-term negative impacts on health and life expectancy. And, and I just I found it interesting. I just wanted to kind of talk about it, so I shared it with the elders. And I remember to a man, nine elders in the room looked at one another and said, we can all resonate with this on some level. It's just kind of true and very indicative of, I think, just our culture, but specifically an area, maybe a church like ours. And I've also known that this is not just a male problem. Maybe it's more of a problem for men, but it's not just a problem for men. I've had enough conversations with women, even uh, my wife, about how it's just really hard to cultivate and maintain friendships. So adults in the room, a sermon on friendship, it's needed. I've been preaching almost five years, regularly for three years. I've never preached on friendship. Maybe it's been an application point like once a year. And then kids, again, all in here with us this morning, Um, when it comes to friendship, I would think you need less convincing that friends matter, Um, but as the older you get and as you approach adulthood, young adulthood, the more important you will find them to be. And if you're a teen in this room, middle school, high school, like you're in it, man. Like you're in the very midst of it. It's a vital time in your life in regard to friendships, and a lot of the hurt you experience is revolving around friendships, and a lot of the joy you're experiencing is revolving around friendships, and they have long-lasting ripple effects emotionally and spiritually. And so we're all here, and maybe for different reasons, but friendships matter to all of us. So, so how should we view the wisdom of friendships? Lord willing for us all, the sermon will be shorter today. Good luck. Um, just have a few kick, quick points. And again, the application is going to be on you for the most part this morning, to understand what's the Bible saying, but it's going to be your job to be able to take this forward and apply it to your life in whatever season that you're in. What's biblical friendship? So a few points. Number one, friendship is Christ-centered. So after a summer in this Old Testament book of Proverbs together, uh, we know hopefully by this point that the main point of this entire book is stated right up front in chapter one. If you have your Bibles open, you can look at verse two. Why why, why does Proverbs exist? 
Verse 2, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity. And we've also seen week after week in all these different topics that to become wise is not just get smarter. It's not just get older. It's not just get more experience. But the key to wisdom is to know a person. That wisdom becomes personified in the book of Proverbs. It's a relationship. And, and the ultimate person that it points to is Jesus Christ. Jesus, the wisdom of God. So do you want to be wise in all areas of life? And we talk about work, and we talk about planning, and money, and sex, and all these different areas. you want to be wise in these areas? The way to be wise is not to pursue wisdom. The way to be wise is to pursue Jesus Christ. And so a fun exercise on this side of the cross in reading the book of Proverbs, as you read it now, is to replace the word Jesus anytime you see the word wisdom in the book of Proverbs. We want to know Jesus. We want to understand Jesus. We want to grow in Jesus, knowing that Jesus is not just the means to get you saved. He is the one who makes us wise. His grace grows us. It sustains us. It equips us to battle sin. It carries us into maturity. Wisdom is knowing that the same grace that saved you will be the same grace that sustains you. And so when it comes to friendship, the core purpose of a true friend, why are true friends needed? What's the point of a friend? It's a simple question. You might have a lot of different answers to it. But at its core, a true friend is someone who helps and inspires you to pursue Jesus and to grow in Christ-likeness. Proverbs 19, 20 Listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. Remember, replace Jesus, that you may gain Jesus in the future. Gain more of Christ, more and more of Christ. That's what good friends help you do. Proverbs 18, 24, a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Proverbs 27, 17, probably one of the most popular, most quoted Proverbs. Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. So if you are in a position in your life where you have potentially a lot of friends and a little bit amount of time, and you're struggling to decide, who should I be investing in? Who should I give my time to? Who should I give my energy to? Wisdom would say to intentionally commit time to the ones who make you look more like Jesus. Carve out time for them. doesn't mean you, you, you shut out everybody else, but primarily that's your focus. And this is more important than how much fun you have with a person or, or what their personality is or are they in your same life stage. And it's more of a question of like, does this person sharpen me? Am I having opportunity to sharpen them? Do they equip you to love Jesus and to obey his commandments? These are the questions of friendship. And if you're in a season where you are struggling with loneliness, and, and you're sitting there being like, too many friends, man, I just want one. I just want one friend. I would do anything for a friend. Our encouragement to you would be to keep, that's a good desire, and keep praying for your friend as, as you lift your eyes to Jesus. And be careful to not settle for friends that draw you away from Christ just because you don't want to be lonely. I'm not trying to... It's hard, man. I know it's hard just going through life like there's nobody by your side, but then that's the drift. Many of us will drift into and say, well, this person will be my friend, but they know nothing of the Christ. They know nothing of drawing you closer to him. So I encourage you to be patient. 
and that friendship is not contingent on being in the same life stage, right? The church, hopefully Grace Church, shows this in a lot of ways. The body of Christ is amazing, and that two people who seemingly have nothing in common can be really good friends. Why? Because they help each other look to Jesus. And again, we, we, we hear a lot, and a lot of people in our families and our friends have people who have drifted from the Lord, who at one time were involved, but now they're no longer involved. Oftentimes, it's a result of them surrounding themselves with people who have not encouraged them to follow the Lord, and they start listening to their influence more than yours. And the drift begins. And it happens a lot, especially with young adults. Number two, friendship is transparent. Friendship is transparent. So if you're going to have a friend who makes you look more like Jesus, there's going to have to be an element of authenticity that's willing to go deep, that's willing to just go a little bit below the surface. Like, hear me, I talk about it all the time. You guys think I'm in, you know, I love fantasy football, and I love golf. But if that's 95% of our conversation, I'm just not sure that's going to be the most important friendship we're both going to have. And knowing that life is kind of messy and temptation for sin is strong, like we need people who can be real with us and have the license to say the hard things to us when we need to hear it. Proverbs 27, verses 5 and 6. Better is an open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Proverbs 12, 26. One who is righteous is a guide to his neighbor, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. As I was studying for this sermon, I came across a pastor who was telling a story about, uh, and the pastor was kind of scary, um, like, it was freaky how he's, my life mimics his. Young family, demands ministry, all of it kind of piled on, and he was sharing with a good friend of his that his prayer life has pretty much dried up. And his time alone with God has become almost non-existent, ironically because of the demands of ministry and, and the demands of a family and the busyness of life. We're all busy. We always say we're busy. And he said, honestly, my prayer life just kind of dried up, kind of looking for his friend to kind of give him a pat on the back. And his friend's response was this, quote, bro, I love you, but that's unacceptable. People look to you, so you need to be looking to Christ. It's not optional. He said, at first, that wounded him. He didn't want to hear that. He wanted to hear the pat on the back, like, it's all right, man, you'll be fine. But he said, it's not what he wanted to hear, it's what he needed to hear. And it was only a good friend who would have the right to say that to him. Honesty from a friend that would awaken him from his slumber. So find friends who love you so much, they're willing to say the hard things, even if it hurts a little bit at first. And then we, we did a whole sermon on words. Listen, there's a way to speak truth and love, right? It shouldn't be the only time you're hearing from them is that when they're looking to rebuke you. But that if you know someone's for you and encouraging you and your friend, you're going to be more willing to listen. And personally, if I'm honest, I kind of know myself. And when, if somebody were to say that to me, you know my response usually is, I know, man, your life is so busy. Give yourself a break. It's all right. It'll come back around once the kids get older. <laughs> and that's a terrible response. That's not a response of a friend. That's a cowardly response. 
And I'm not saying you should say it to everyone. Again, there's a time and a place. But a good friend owes it to another friend to be honest. And we all have blind spots. And they're called blind spots because we can't see them. And we need others to get eyes on those spots before we get crushed by a car. You know what I'm saying? Be open to a good friend's rebuke to you. It hurts, but it hurts in the way a surgeon wounds a patient in order to help them. Number three, friendship is influential. The simple reason why Proverbs focuses on friendships is because they matter. Friendships matter, for better or for worse. There's no such thing as a non-influential friend. Did you hear that? There is no such thing as a non-influential friend. And there's no such thing as being a non-influential friend to others. You're always an influence. It's just a matter whether it's a good one or a bad one. Proverbs 13, 20, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Proverbs 22, 24 to 25, make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man, lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. You know why it says that? Because if you get really close with an angry person, you know what ends up happening? You kind of get angry. You get with a person who's just resentful and bitter. You know what kind of happens? You're just around that all the time. You start to become bitter. Proverbs 27, 9. Oil and perfume make the heart glad. And the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. This is true for all of us. But with the kids in here, I do just want to say a special word to those in elementary school or middle school or high school. Choose your friends wisely. The influence they will have on your life in this season is paramount. And as, as, as hard as it is for your parents to believe, as you get older, your friends' influence will increase, maybe over theirs. Not saying your parents will not be influential. You tend, it tends to be a bell curve. You tend to kind of go back, gravitate to family later in life. They will always be there. But now they're at the very least sharing some of the percentage of influence in your life. And so do not backpedal your way into being a close friend with somebody. Choose wisely. I'll always remember an illustration that my father gave me when I was probably around middle school. Um, and it's simple, and it always stuck with me. You know, he would tell all of us, um, me and my brothers, he'd say, you know, physically, it's way easier to pull someone down than it is to pull someone up. And it's the same with friendships. I, I should, probably should have had somebody do an illustration. If we had two people up here and one person's standing on a chair and the other person's on the ground, it's way easier for the person on the ground to get that other person on their level. It's way harder to bend over and pick someone up. Do not backpedal your way into friendships. And, and admittedly, just in our world today, like the way we use friend is so broad that we kind of muddy what the definition is. Like as of this morning, I have 1,251 friends on Facebook. <laughs> I know, I know. I reflect, I got a lot of childhood friends. There's high school friends, and there's college friends, and there's gym friends, and there's church friends. 
And many of you have similar categories, if not more. And we throw the word a lot. This is my friend. And like, that's fine. I'm not here to like make like an assault on the word friend. But I wonder if we, in our minds and hearts, thinking in those terms, never get clarity on what's a true friend. What's a biblical friend? The ones who are closest to you, the ones who have the most influence. And I want to be very clear here, very nuanced here. The Bible doesn't say don't associate with those who are troubled. It doesn't say don't um, associate with those who are messy or far from God. Man, we're the church. We want to be gravitating people who are messy. Because the basis for effective evangelism and, and discipleship um, really relies on real, authentic relationships. That includes messiness. And you know what? If we're honest, we're a little messy. We got a little of that in us. That others have to bear that burden at times. But it's a wisdom issue of knowing that even as you disciple and evangelize, quote-unquote, messy people, you need a basis and a foundation of close, good friends that are going to make you look more like Jesus, who are going to be the most influential, not the only influence, but the most influential. And so many of us maybe do need to go from here as we set out into the fall, and we got to be honest about our friendships. we got to be honest about who we're giving time away to and energy We have to be honest about creating boundaries in our lives and cultivating friendships that are Christ-like. And if these friendships are non-existent for you, like you just don't have any, praying all the more fervently that God would provide one. Lastly, friendship perseveres. And all this talk about friendship to this point, we can run the risk of over-romanticizing friendships for Christians where friendship is always awesome for Christians, and that it's always life-giving, and it's always fun. And praise God, by His grace, there can be a lot of that. But we live in a fallen world. Other people disappoint us. We disappoint others. We've all heard that it's the ones closest to us that have the highest potential of hurting us the most, right? And that's true for marriage, and it's true for siblings, it's true for church membership. If you join this church and you're here long enough, a fellow member will hurt you at some point, and you will probably hurt someone else. And then I don't say this to sound humble, but because it's just simply true, as your pastor, I will disappoint you if you give me enough time. Many of you have already been hurt by me in some way, either something that I have done Or you know what I'm finding? I tend to hurt people more by the things that I don't do or that was expected of me. And some of which I'm aware of, most of which I don't think I am. But that's the reality, not just for me, but for Pastor Jeff or other leaders here. Like, it's a reality of being in a church. We're kind of messy. And it's definitely true for friendships. You're a friend with somebody long enough. It's going to hit a rough patch. Proverbs 26 Many a man proclaims his own steadfast love, but a faithful man, who can find? Proverbs 17, 17, a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born in adversity. Our friends in this world will sin against us, sins of commission, sins of omission. And if we're just going to bail every time that happens, our friendships will be a constant revolving door which is why confession and forgiveness are the two most important traits of a true biblical friendship. The phrase, I'm sorry, and I forgive you, are required for true friendship. It will not last without them. 
And it's here, it should be no surprise, that Jesus paves the way and shows us how and why we can do this. John chapter 15, the verses will be on the screen. Jesus says to his disciples, verse 12, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. It is stunning that Jesus would call us his friends. That the God made flesh would be mindful of us, just not as a creation to creation, not as a master to a servant, but as a friend to a friend. And if you think about this, we don't think about Jesus in this way very often. We think about him as Savior, we think about him as Lord, King of Kings, big titles, high authority, but how often do we consider him our friend? It's kind of, it can feel a little weird, can it? Like, I'm a friend of Jesus, but it's a big deal. And what makes this passage all the more stunning in John 15 is if you keep reading. Because a few hours from that moment that he said that to them, you will read in John 18 when all of them would abandon him and would leave him and flee from him and leave him to his fate where he would get arrested, indicted, crucified. And knowing that was coming, they were all going to leave. He still looked them in the eye and said, I call you my friends. Why? Because he also knows that he will forgive them for their fear and their failure. And that that forgiveness would restore their friendship once again. And it would infuse courage into their bloodstream like an IV machine. And that those men and those women would commit their lives to him, even to the point of death. True friends are hard to find. But because we have a true friend in Jesus, we know what it means to be a true friend to others, and by God's grace, to have friends in others. Do not underestimate the value of friendship in your life. Do not sacrifice them at the altar of busyness. And if you're in a season where there is no friend, Lean into your friendship with Christ and trust that he will provide. Let's pray.